Mr. Simpson, this could be responsible for your subnormal intelligence. Hey, I came here to be drugged, electrocuted, and probed, not insulted. We could remove the crayon for you. It could vastly increase your brain power. Or it could possibly kill you. Hmm. Increase my killing power, eh? Let's do it. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review one of the better episodes of season 12. It's episode BABF22. It is Homer. I am Dando. I am Guy. And uh, yes, I was uh, very, uh, very pleased to uh, have, a, have a revisit of this episode. I was uh, feeling very SMRT and also very MOVD by this episode. Very moved. It's a, it's a sweet episode. Is it pronounced Homer or Homer? How, how should I correctly pronounce the title of this episode? Um. That's the thing. I was, yeah, wondering if I should, should it be H-O-M-R or Homer or... Homer. Anyway, whatever it is. It's, <laughs> everyone knows what the episode we're talking about. It's the one with the crown in the brain. It's a really it's a really nice episode. It has a very nice ending. I think the episodes that leave you with a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling always leave you feeling positive. So you sort of think the episode's probably better than what it is. And I oh, read yeah. a few reviews. And I, I really enjoyed it. I read a few reviews after I watched it. Because it's important for me that I read the reviews after I watched the episode. So I don't get swayed with my opinion. And to be completely honest, the reviews had nothing but negatives to say about this episode. They brought up how they're rehashing the family being poor again story. And they don't feel like the the ending was justified. They don't think there was enough focus on Homer and Lisa gelling together for the ending to be so sweet as what they were trying to go for. But I thought the ending was really, really nice. Look, I too thought the ending was nice, but I do have to agree with one or two of those points. Because one thing while I was revisiting this episode was like... Yeah, I think the emotional core of this is that uh, Homer and Lisa are now on sort of a, a more equal footing as uh, as intellectuals, as like minds. Uh, it's sort of you know summed up in that line, which I thought was just lovely about, oh, I always dreamed you'd be my library buddy. And I mean, bookworms like myself have often dreamed of library buddies or someone you can talk about books with and stuff like that. Or, you know, someone you can talk about your more intellectual ideas with and they're on the same page or on the same level. I thought that was lovely and... I would have liked the episode to sort of delve into that. It didn't have to be all of it, but maybe a bit more. It did feel like the um, the new relationship that uh, Homer and Lisa had was just a little too brief. I think it was relying on the affection that we have for the characters and also a bit of past knowledge um, about that these two really do care for one another. Uh, but, yeah on an emotional level, which is, you know, great. Of course you want to, people to care about you on an emotional level, but if you've got that emotional connection and also intellectual connection, it, uh, I think for, particularly for someone like Lisa, it, um, it really sort of solidifies the bond. And so, yeah, as a result, the ending is very, very nice. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm not sledging this episode, at least I hope I'm not. But, yeah, it didn't feel quite as... Um, a little more time spent on the relationship, I think, would have made the payoff even better. Yeah, you're right. Because if, if, you, if you're watching this episode without having any previous knowledge of what The Simpsons was or who these characters are, you probably wouldn't feel like it was justified. You're right. If you're just watching this episode as a standalone thing. I feel like maybe... if they, Honestly, I feel like they wasted a little bit, little bit too much time at the animation festival. 
Like if they didn't spend the entire first act essentially at the animation festival, they could have spent more time on the Homer Lisa relationship because I guess the only real moments we get are Homer and Lisa at the library. And then there's a point where Lisa's trying to explain that as your intelligence goes up, your happiness goes down. That's that's mm. really all we get. It's just, we sort of needed a um, you know, the, there was an episode recently where Homer and Bart were bonding and they had the nice song underneath the yeah. marmalade and whatever it was. <laughs> we needed a moment like that where it's them bonding and having a great time with a little song underneath to make you feel all warm and fuzzy. You know, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right, and I think you're right about the whole um, too much time in the uh, in the first act spent at the uh, the animation festival. A lot of it seemed. There's that saying, inside baseball, you know, where sort of it's all inside jokes. I mean, this wasn't all inside jokes, but, uh, you know, the whole piss take on uh, Davy and Goliath and the whole manga thing or, hang on, is it manga when it's comics and anime when it's on the screen or is it the other way around? Uh, anime's on the screen, yes. Anime's on the screen. <laughs> so there's a you know a bit of that as well and uh, even the itchy and scratchy stuff. And, and it did feel like... I don't think you needed all of those. I think you could have lost maybe one of them. And yeah. look, as as um, entertaining as I found Gravy and Jabriath, and you know, I'm sick of your lack of faith. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the episode could have easily lost that. I think it would have been a lovely Easter egg or deleted scene to find on the DVDs or whatever, and then devoted that amount of time that I don't know what was it—a minute, maybe ninety seconds or so—to that montage that you uh, that you mentioned. I reckon, and I, I think it would really uh, help the episode. I think it would give it a slightly bigger heart and more oomph at the end. I think I had in my notes after a certain amount of the different clips at the animation festival. I, th- I what, what, what I, I said feels like they're writing an episode for themselves and not the viewers. Yeah, that's what I've written here. Yeah, that's how. That's kind of how it felt. I mean. It's funny, even I think one of the first things you see once you actually get inside the festival over one of the characters' shoulders is like a, an Iron Giant Easter egg, which is a nice little shout-out to Brad Bird. Which was the... What was that? I think it was they had like an Iron Giant thing in a booth. Huh. Yeah, maybe behind Homer's shoulder or something. It was, very, it was, it was quick, but I mean, uh, yeah, the Iron Giant silhouette is, uh, you know... I mean, they actually it actually has the word the Iron Giant. It's like a legit poster or sticker or something, but uh, I was like, yeah. No, oh, that's nice. <laughs> the Iron, well, the Iron Giant deserves all the love it gets. <laughs> yeah, and particularly at this stage, because, I mean, this was, what, 2000, and it had come out, only come out the year before, and was still it hadn't really started to gain the cultural rehabilitation that it received over the next sort of decade or so. People in the know knew that the Iron Giant was, you know, just an absolute winner. We were just sort of waiting for the, world, the rest of the world to catch up. Yeah. I've read that the... This story here of Homer becoming smarter due to some sort of operation or whatever was used in a comic, a Simpsons comic, a couple of years prior. Ah. Uh, but in but in that one, it was Frink who made Homer smarter, and <laughs> there was a final operation where it would make Homer permanently smart, and Homer uh, was going to go through and have that operation despite the fact that he was feeling very unhappy. He could see how much it was. Uh, Lisa was enjoying spending time with her dad and having her having him as a friend now. So he was going to sacrifice his own happiness to uh, to be smart forever. I know it sounds silly, but so that he could spend more time with Lisa. But in that comic, Lisa actually stops Homer from doing that because she says, "It's selfish of me to, as much as I love having you like this, it's selfish of me to want you to give up your happiness so you be who you want to be." And she stops the final operation. And I think that story has so much more to it than what this episode delivers. I reckon so as well, actually, yeah. It would, would have been nice. If, I mean, did you say that comic came after this episode or before? No, two years prior, apparently. Oh, okay, then. Well, I mean, maybe there were 
rights issues or something like that that they couldn't maybe borrow that or adapt it or something or even flat out pinch it. But it's funny because like some of the comics I've read over the years, I read it and go, man, this could really be an episode. Some of the stories in those comics were great and you think, if the comics here are so good, then why is the show not like this anymore? Mm, yeah. I'm not too sure. Maybe it's just a different writing staff. Who knows? Who but knows um, I don't, we must point out, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't realize, it didn't dawn on me until I read the critiques from the reviews that, again, they've gone with the family have no money storyline to set up the story. It's like, ah, oh, really? Yeah, that seems to be their go-to at the moment in season 12. Yeah, Homer does true. something, costs the family all their money, and then he has to do something wacky to get it back. And, and again, during this episode... They throw that out the window. Like the episode yeah. goes away from being Homer becoming a guinea pig to make money for the family to all of a sudden the family have money again. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know if this was a sort of a time of economic uncertainty in the world or anything like that. I mean, I think we were between recessions at that stage or uh, or sort of between global financial crises or anything like that. So, yeah, for it to be so fix for the series to be so fixated on oh the family's broke again. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly why that's the case. Hey, my favourite! What were your favourite moments from the episode, Mr Davis? Oh, golly. Um, look, I, I know I said you could have taken it out, but I mean, I actually did like that gravy Jabriah thing. I haven't yeah. really seen much of Davy and Goliath, the, the other um, series that it's based on, but yeah, just the fact that Davy is a yeah, fundamentalist freak who yeah, puts a pipe bomb in his dog's mouth or something like that... Um, Look, it's a bit it's a bit dark, but I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, it just stands out so much, doesn't it? Because it's not animated. True. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that animation. There's a. Uh, I hope I read this correctly, but I think it was done by an actor called the Chiodo Brothers, who are also well known for a horror movie with one of the best titles ever, "Killer Clowns from Outer Space." Oh, so I've never watched it, but we had pops for it at work recently, and everyone says it's like ridiculous. Like it's just a, it's B grade, but it's, it knows it's B grade. I've been yes. it's been recommended to me. I haven't seen it in ages, and I'm, actually, I might rewatch it tonight. Who knows? But um, I'm sure it's on some streamer somewhere. But uh, yeah, they're sort of renowned for that kind of thing, and I think they might have actually uh, probably done some work on Davy and Goliath as well. Uh, so yeah, look, I like that part a lot. Generally. Speaking, I like the whole. I just like the whole concept because it's uh, it's the the writers and the producers of the show copped to this, inspired by a play called Flowers for Algernon that then was made into a movie in the late sixties called Charlie Charlie with a Y, and the story is basically the same. You've got this uh, mentally handicapped man who is taking night classes. He really wants to sort of uh, you know be smarter than he is, but you know he's a uh, limited by his um, limitations. But the the woman who teaches the night class knows some scientists and some sci- these scientists have been doing experiments, first of all with a mouse called Algernon, to um, make him smarter. And they're ready to sort of do human trials and the teacher recommends Charlie to uh, to be part of it. There are some, you know, some positive results to begin with and then he has an operation that basically triples his IQ and makes him, you know, not just... Uh, average intelligence but above average intelligence but it really sort of changes how he views the world and how the world views him um i remember it was on tv a lot when i was a kid the movie charlie and the actor who played charlie cliff robertson actually won the best actor oscar for his performance and i I remember loving it I, i just thought it was such a it was such a it's a smart movie but it's also a really uh emotional movie and a lot i mean and not just sweet emotions because it's very sort of bittersweet in a lot of ways it's um, like you've you seem to recommend these movies during this podcast and you don't warn me of how sad the endings are and i watched <laughs> them 
dude, that fucking octopus documentary. Why'd you do that to me? Because circle of life, dude. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I felt so sad. I know, but you, but you know, he said at least halfway through. Look, octopuses only have a year's life cycle, and yeah, I mean, and when he, as soon as he said that, I went, oh no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think we all would have liked that friendly octopus to live forever. I have the I have the greatest fear of octopi. I think I've said. I mean, being dragged down to the briny depths by you know big center tentacles. Ooh. But yeah, this made me love octopi. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but uh, the ending was a bit sad, you know. But I mean, the fact that he was able to reconnect with the world the way that he did through the um, intervention of this of this most unlikely. Uh, friend that he made yeah you're right it's it's a bit sad it's quite emotional and then he got me to watch Sophie's Choice oh my god <laughs> and, then, and then he got me to watch the movie of the dolphin talking <laughs> did you watch did you watch the day of the dolphin I did did were you a mess at the end oh god man when, the, when he's like go away ah. like when he's like no I'm like oh god <laughs> doing that Harry and the Hendersons thing yeah <laughs> oh damn I was like Guy Davis, you monster. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, look, Charlie is a bit that way. So um, I haven't seen it in many years, and I, think, I imagine it'll be hard to track down. Although, having said that, I mean, there are so many, quote-unquote, old movies on YouTube now. I mean, people are just sort of throwing mm. them up there, and YouTube's too big for, um, you know, a lot of these places to kind of to marshal or to sheriff. So, yeah, they just sit there, these terrific copies of stuff that, you know, is usually pretty hard to find. So you may find Charlie there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, as I said, based on a play as well. But I actually did at school back in um, back in year nine. Uh, my good friend Richard Bennell played Charlie in the. Um, he was very good in the lead. Yeah, so uh, that's so that's why my um, my feelings for this episode are strong. You might say. What did you like most about it, Dando? I've gone on long enough. No, I well, I liked the now, Mister Simpson. You understand the risk of purchasing stocks? Yes. We're in the body. Cut to Kong with a hand, with a handful of cash. <laughs> you heard the monkey. <laughs> and uh, thinking so at the very end, so he's gone stupid again. He says, that reminds me, oh, it makes me think, um, I want to go get a sandwich. So he goes and gets a sandwich. Lisa reads the note. She grows up to give him a cuddle and he thinks he's, she's going to take the sandwich. He's like, huh? <laughs> 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 oh man, just yeah, stupidity, but I seem to get a chuckle out of Homer being stupid these days. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week. I'm going to commence. Okay, Again. first question being, which two people did Homer impersonate whilst he was the dog at the festival? Now, I didn't know... One of them, but luckily I had the credits on. So Edith Ann, Edith Ann. I had no idea who that was either. I thought you'd be able to tell me, but clearly not. <laughs> Nor do I. Head to Google, mate. Oh, and I'm trying to make because oh, think Which? of a movie that a lot of people say the sequel's better than the first. Iconic trilogy. Oh, of course. Uh, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. So he yeah. did Don Corleone, Marlon Brando he, from The Godfather. He did correct. Yeah. So one point. Thank you very you. much. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you you were too generous there, I think. You know, with the with the um with the hint in the anime that uh, Bart and Lisa watch, which two characters are fighting? As in, what are they? Or no, they're names because they both get uh, named. Damn it! I wasn't paying that much attention. What was it? Uh, yeah, this, yeah, probably a bit too. <laughs> Meganaut and Princess Tempura. Meganaut and Princess Tempura sounds very anime esque to me. Oh, one hundred percent. All right, hit me. How much had Fox stock gone down when Homer made the phone call? Oh, 
seven and a half? Eight. You, you could have just... Seven and a half. You're so close. <laughs> the, the thing is, eight is down eight even that bad? I suppose going down at all is bad, but... Yeah. I've, oh, look, I'd, I've only got... I've got maybe 400 stocks in Telstra... Uh, 400 shares in Telstra. That, um, and I finally just sort of sorted out the other day because, I mean, I think they've been paying the very small dividend into um into an old bank account. And it took me so much bloody paperwork to say, you know, uh, can we transfer it from this account to, <laughs> that is no longer active, this, to this account that is active? Uh, you're going to have to, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to um, email you something. You'll have to print it out, uh, sign it, scan it, send it back to us, and then we'll mail you something that confirms that you've received such and such. I'm like, oh my God, really? Did you buy shares just so you can call up one day and go, sell, sell, sell? I would have, I, I did want to indulge my, well, back in the day it was my Wall Street fantasies, now it's my Wolf of Wall Street fantasies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I remember thinking, oh, I, I should kind of be financially responsible and or greedy and, you know, like, um, you know, have some shares in something. And I think Telstra was a kind of a, out of a bit of a boom at this stage or they just had an IPO or something along those lines. And so I bought them and... Um, are they yeah, up they when you bought, bought them? I think so. Oh, God. I mean, the, the the weird thing is, I mean, I don't really sort of know how to read, you know, stock tickers and all that kind of business. But I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've made my money back. I get, you know, get like 100 bucks a year or something at a, at a dividend. It's not much. I, lo- I love to hear from the listeners. Listeners, do you have any shares in anything? Let us know. Mailbag at discount.com.au If you're a patron, just post it in the Facebook group. Who's got shares and in what? <laughs> If you've got any good tips, uh, yeah, let me know. And also, yes. Dando. <laughs> should should four-figure discount go public? Let us know. <laughs> All right, next question. What is the uh, secret ingredient in Laramie Extra Tar cigarettes? Ah, oh, man. See, I tuned out during this animation festival. What is it? <laughs> Nicoglycerol. Nicoglycerol. See, I mean, all these clips were funny. There was just too many of them, though. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, the anime one went on a bit long, but it did sort of capture the ridiculousness of uh, of anime. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched. I mean, I'd never really sort of got into it all that much, but I remember watching a bit of it in the uh, early to mid nineties, and yeah, a lot of it was really, really weird and kinky, and had a lot of naked ladies and tentacles going on. Oh man, we have some like really weird anime statues at work of women, and they are wearing next to nothing, and we like sell out of them. It's bizarre. <laughs> oh yeah. <they're- laughs> I think it's called hentai or something. Oh, hentai. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's continue with the trivia. Let, let's, let's not talk about that. What does, the scientist, what does the scientist decide to call the perfume that burns? Oh. Oh, something like hot desert nights or something? Desert breeze. You got one word. <laughs> desert breeze. Okay. So, yes. No, not even, not even a third of a point there. Don't worry about it. Um, how many shares did Homer buy in Animotion? Ooh, was it five hundred? It was exactly five hundred. I don't know where. I don't know how I found that stored in my memory. I was just a random guess. <laughs> you got it. How many crowns did he shove up his head, up his nose? I should say. Oh, did he make it at all sixteen? Was it sixteen? All, all sixteen. Then he sneezed, and only fifteen returned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's the name of the medical research center where uh, they're testing medical research? I want to say screaming monkeys. And you should, because that is correct. Actually, it's just one monkey. And my final question is, what was Homer's IQ after 
becoming intelligent. Oh, was it one hundred? One hundred and five. One hundred and five. Which means, which means that his IQ was what beforehand? Fifty-five. What did they rank? Fifty-five. Yeah, went up fifty points. Yeah. <laughs> which author is good for cracking open a tortoise at the library? Oh, it's Leon somebody. Leon Uris. Uris. Yes. What's U-R-I-S. he known for? Um. I think he wrote like sort of big historical epics. Uh, a lot of them were about Israel, to the best okay. of my knowledge. My, my, my parents had a few of them growing up. Uh, and I was like, man, that looks like too much work and not enough fun. <laughs> <laughs> not enough fun, that's right. Now, Mr. Davis, this would normally be where we do our new name segment. However, we have shifted things a little bit and the new names is now going to be coming up after the review, isn't it? it that is in, indeed the case, uh, Mr. Dando. And um, look, you had some very uh, logical explanation for this. I feel a bit bad about, you know, having this, uh, the Guy Davis, you know, uh, new names championship or whatever sort of bumped from there. But you had some very good logical reasons for it. And I just said, yeah, whatever. No, no, I said, <laughs> no, I said that's a very good idea, Brendan. Let's just, uh, let's go with that. And um, feel free to explain to our to our friends why why it is the case. I just thought, you know, the people out there who aren't patrons might not be necessarily interested in listening to something that they can't be a part of. So, you know, and we're not pressuring them. They don't have to be patrons. So I thought, let's get into the review. Let's get stuck into the, the really good stuff or what everyone's really here for. <laughs> and then we can add the patron stuff towards the end because we do know that our patrons absolutely love the new names because this week we've had over 115 new name entries. So stay tuned, guys. But right now, we're going to be doing a review of Homer. The original air date of Homer, Homer, Homer was January 7th in the year 2001. We've made it to 2001, Mr. Davis. Woohoo! Oh, my God. Thank God we're out of 2000. What a year that uh. was. <laughs> oh, 2000 made 2020 look like 1920. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, chopper gag is network TV is not dead, and the couch gag was their way of trying to remind people that Futurama still exists. And it's the future number tubes. Uh, Fry sitting on the couch, he gets sucked up and replaced by Bart. Because two, oh, by God. 2001, Futurama had been moved to a different time slot. Viewership had decreased by almost half. And uh, they'd pretty much given up on it by that point, which is really sad yeah. because Futurama was fucking great. <laughs> mm. It's funny also that they were sort of, I mean, they're saying network TV is not dead, which is the kind of joke you make when you think, oh my God, are we, you know, is our uh, industry on the, on the ropes? 20 years uh, ago. I think, yeah, and I think around this time... HBO, HBO had already been a thing for a while, but I think this is the when their shows like um, Six Feet Under and The Sopranos, Sopranos had just started. Yeah, were, were really sort of gaining traction, and everyone was like, "Hey, you know, they got these TV shows that are, you know, but the the shows are actually like really good, and you can and you can swear in them and see naked ladies." Yeah, they're not censored by anything, so you can actually yeah. have fun watching them. So yeah, so I mean, that's when <laughs> Sopranos. I'm pretty sure Sex in the City started around about the same time. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much... So, this is what TV can actually be. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, network TV sort of managed to stagger on for, you know, a while. I mean, and, it's, and of course, it's not dead yet, but... Uh, I'm pretty sure at that point, bit... too, didn't shows like HBO, uh, channels like HBO and stuff, did they have commercial breaks? That's a good point. Um, so I, know, I know Galaxy, which became Foxtel, didn't have commercials at the start, but by the time we got it in 2000, yeah. there was plenty of commercials. That is the case, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of ads on it now. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that was the case with HBO in the States. Let us know, listeners. Let us know. We want to know what was yes. cable TV like and what, what was the transition like in the, in the UK and the States from uh, mm-hmm. free-to-air TV to cable. 
Yeah. So it kicks off with all the family going to the totally sick, twisted, fucked up animation festival. And <laughs> I've just got here in my notes, this is just a way to parody various styles of animation. <laughs> well, very much so. Yeah, that was kind of the thing. I mean, uh, the 90s in particular was sort of big for, you know, oh my God, this animation's so wild. These people are making it crazy. You know, like Ren and Stimpy and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't know. Was that kind of on the way out in the... Um in the uh, in the early two thousands, I mean, I know "sick" was a term that we used when we were in primary school, and by high school, if you were saying something was sick, it was like, eh, I don't think so, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So yeah, you're right. That's a but it's a shout out to that kind of thing. It was the style at the time. <laughs> All right, we make it into the uh, to the festival. Yes, now, Marge makes a, a reference here saying animation was everywhere last year. Is that a reference to anything in particular? Because to me, that joke's implying that. There was lots of, uh, to me, it feels like the writers are trying to say there was all these under, uh, other animated shows last year and now there's not. Or was it just a, what, what was that line intending? Because things like fa- things like Family Guy and Futurama and South Park were all still going at this point. So I don't understand what she's, what they mean by that joke. I don't know. Maybe there were a few sort of uh, hangers on that, uh, you know, lasted maybe half a season or something Possibly. like that. We really should, yeah, yeah. We really should Google it and see what uh, what the case may be. But no, I did, it didn't really sort of leap out at me as. Um, calling out anything in particular uh, it looks like a really fun convention though doesn't it this is the thing conventions are a lot of fun if you go to them oh yeah i mean if you're allowed to go to them yeah i mean um i've only ever been to sort of like one or two i went to a couple of supernovas in melbourne and yeah what were you banned for what, what were you banned for uh, <laughs> uh I, I think i proposed marriage to uh starbuck from uh from battlestar galactica <laughs> no no nothing like that <laughs> Bart is watching what they call Japanimation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lisa gets so... They go back to the gag of um, cartoons don't have to make sense. They've used that gag before. Then the Great Gazoo appears. They, he appears later in the episode, doesn't he? The Great Gazoo. He's, yeah, um, with, with Homer. Yeah, he's from the Flintstones. He does, yeah. So he was basically... The Great Gazoo was... Uh, when the Flintstones ratings were dropping, they introduced the Great Gazoo into the show to try and make things... like Give them a spark, make things more interesting again, and it just made matters worse. <laughs> Pretty much like uh, it's cousin Oliver syndrome when they invited cousin Oliver to come live with the Brady Bunch and everyone's like, we don't like this kid. Get him out of there. It's it's Poochie. Yes, they tried a cousin on Married with Children as well, I believe. Did they? Yeah, yeah. It's just a, a random little blonde-headed kid. <laughs> and then he went up the stairs and it was never seen again. <laughs> ah, nicely played Married with Children. Yes. Uh, so the Flanders are watching Gravy and Jabriath. That blo- blows up the dog. He's not a very nice person, is he? Oh, God, no. Takes it all too seriously. But, you know, Ned and uh, Rod and Todd seem to be into it, so good for them. They question the voice actor that all these voices are just ripped off of everything else. I think that's the case of a lot of things, though. Like There's there's similarities in so many different voices. Like when a character's, for example, Hank Azaria, you can sort of listen to Watch the Simpsons now and know which actor is doing the voice. Because although it's different, they've still got that slight little twang that belongs to that specific actor. Yeah, even the... There's that, but there's going to the stage that, uh, that this gentleman on, on, on stage is habit, doing. Habit, 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 habit. Yeah, where he's basically like, oh, yeah, this character was basically, yeah, you just stole Jackie Gleason or, yeah. <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, um, but that's funny. I mean, you watch, the, you watch the actual original Flintstones and it's basically the old Jackie Gleason sitcom, the classic Jackie, Jackie Gleason sitcom, The Honeymooners from the 50s. Mm, it's basically yep. that, but animated. Fred Flintstone is, based, is basically uh, Jackie Gleason. So we got the itchy and scratchy cigarette commercial here that Marge and Homer are watching. This is what I was talking about last week when Bart yeah. says, oh, I'm never going to miss that, com- that um, itchy and scratchy where they kiss for the first time. This could have been that. 
I think that was that, yeah, even though it's just a commercial for uh, for uh, Laramie Extra Tar Smokes. Uh, a fairly stacked ad, actually. I mean, because, well, first of all, they're, as you said, they're making out on the beach, uh, a la the classic Hollywood movie From Here to Eternity. And then Louis Armstrong shows up. Holy yeah. moly. <laughs> I've read that this is a takeoff of when the Flintstones apparently were sponsored by cigarette companies. Oh, oh, they probably were. I mean, when were the Flintstones on? Early 60s or something like Flintstones that? Flintstones were 60s, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, while it's primarily for kids, like, I mean, Flintstones wasn't really dumb kitty capers. I mean, they were, it's about two adult couples. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if um, Dad was sort of walking through the room one day and said, hey, is that Jackie Gleason? And maybe sat down with his kid to watch a, watch a, bit, of the Sims, uh, watch a bit of the Flintstones. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised if cigarette uh, peddlers were kind of like, hey, let's see if we can rope a few more in while we're there. We finally get to Animotion. Um, it's a motion capture company. So motion capture was still... Relatively new at this point. I know they were using it for. I know they used it in Star Wars: Phantom Menace for Jar Jar and things like that. But it was still relatively they did, new. Yeah, and they were probably and well, Lord of the Rings hadn't come out yet, but they were filming. Um, I'm pretty sure they were filming Gollum at this stage. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Eddie Circus, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. Who also played Snoke in the new Star Wars films? Why? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. What a waste of a talent. <laughs> so Homer volunteers himself. I did get a kick out of him scratching like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh, by the way, just to rewind very quickly as well. Um, I'm sorry, I've just written down the line here, but I've forgotten exactly what he's talking about. But uh, Homer does another one of his, you know, sort of fish-shaking things, and he says, because if they were... And uh, I, I was, forgot... it, wait, are that cat kissing that mouse? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because if they were... Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that he picks these random things to get offended by. He says something else later in the episode too that's very similar to the nourish me. And we'll, get to the, we'll get to what it was. I can't quite remember. But uh, I think it's when he's at the cinema. But anyway, so he's doing the, um, he's doing the dog for the animation. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle. Here is my spout. <laughs> uh, let me see. I'll make him an offer he can't refuse. And that's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) That dog's a riot. Thank you. Don't spay or neuter your pets. Good night. (laughs) Zipperoony. Oh, yeah. Urinal cake eroding. 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 Gone! <laughs> He's actually really funny. It's weird how they sometimes just decide Homer's going to be talented. <laughs> yeah, that he, he occasionally sort of shows these weird skills. I mean, in in very random, uh, yeah, incidents. I mean, yeah, doing the whole little the little dance and yeah, really playing to the crowd. It's like, oh, he's a bit of a winner with this. It's such a Springfield thing to get behind him when he's like, "You're okay, eroding, eroding, gone." <laughs> <laughs> well, look, there is. There is nothing quite like the satisfaction of a, a, a eroding a urinal cake. <laughs> I unfortunately don't have enough coming out of me to be able to erode one. Well, unlike donkeys like yourself, <laughs> I'm not saying I could do one from scratch, but I mean, okay, <laughs> occasionally you'll see one that's been there for a while and it's like, oh, this is on its last legs, and you <laughs> put it out of its misery. <laughs> put it out of its misery. <laughs> ashes to ashes. Oh man! So I've got here. We're almost six and a half minutes in. And the story is only finally starting to take shape with Homer mm. deciding to invest stock. 
uh, by shares of Animotion. So there was a lot, there's literally a 30% of the episode was spent at this animation festival, which to me is just a little bit too much. It's a bit too much for your inciting incident, absolutely, yes. We, so, we could have lost, yes, at least one of those could have been three minutes long, it's fine, you know. I think so, yeah. So we're at the power plant and Homer is telling Lenny and Carl about Animotion. He's just thrilled with it. He thinks it's going to be the future <laughs> of, um, of uh, movies and whatnot. It's like, think of how many hilarious motions are going uncaptured. <laughs> <laughs> the keepers of that are passing with the captivate audiences worldwide. Or something along those lines. Yes. But I thought that was very funny. Homer desires to buy a stock <laughs> as, he's, as he's walking off Carl. Yeah. And they've made this joke before. Does he still work here or what? So like, it's basically just pointing out, yeah, he's never he's at the power, point, uh, power plant to discuss things with Lenny and Carl. And then he's, yeah. never, he's never at work anymore. He's just off doing whatever he feels like. Such great delivery of that line, though, though. Homer withdraws the life savings from the bank. Another terrible financial decision. Um, <laughs> I thought this was a bit over the top, but whatever. The bank teller just hates life so much, he just lets Homer go through with it, with uh, pretending to be Marge behind the plant. Mm. And Lisa just- as well. I was wondering, though... Is that Dan doing that Lisa voice, or is that is that um, Yardley Smith sort of? Uh... I don't think it, I don't think it was Yardley Smith. It just it just sounded weird hearing Homer talk like that, didn't it? It did. It sounded like he was doing a, like a little English princess kind of thing, like Woohoo, Daddy, am I have some candy? Uh, so he goes to buy five hundred shares, and we get my favorite moment. I like to buy five hundred shares of Animotion Incorporated. Okay. Uh, now, before I execute this order, are you sure you understand the risks of stock ownership? Absolutely. We're in the money. We're in the money. You heard the monkey. Make the trade. It's just great. Like I just love it when Homer just has these ideas similar to the financial panther, hey? Get him, Sheba. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, anytime he uh, sees himself in a position of wealth or power, it's usually good. I mean, I think everyone loves that image of him as he's either the mayor or the president, but he's like sitting on the porch and twirling a six-gun and Marge is like go-go dancing next to him. What would my life be like if I robbed the quickie, Marge? (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's Marge dancing in her underwear in the bathers. Yeah, so, so funny. (laughs) So Homer calls up for the stock. What's the stock updates? I guess, is that what you call it? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, hang on, let me just say that again. I think so, yeah. That's okay. We'll leave the yawn in. <laughs> <laughs> For automated stock prices, please state the company name. Animotion. Animotion. Up one and one half. Yahoo! Yahoo. Up six and a quarter. Uh, what is this crap? Fox Broadcasting. Down eight. Homer's sleeping with the stocks. He's just, you know, he, he's, he's very impressed with himself. He thinks he's made the right decision here. And we then we see the news report. Unfortunately, he has not made the right decision because they've gone up after plunging 75%. And Homer is their only uh, shareholder. And they've gone, they've filed for super duper bankruptcy. And he has now lost all the family's savings. So he has the family meeting. But uh, he, talk, he mentions the fact that he's lost, lost life savings. But then it's the real issue, Lisa hogging the maple syrup. <laughs> Which would be fine if mum's dr- waffles weren't so dry. There, I said it. <laughs> 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 then, oh, actually, we get a, an eBay joke here, speak of the devil. So, Homer, this is back in the day when eBay was seen as the place where you buy cheap, useless crap, wasn't it? <laughs> as opposed to today. <laughs> oh, but still, eBay for me now is the place where I look for things that, like, for example, from your childhood or things that you, you, yeah. you, you wish you didn't throw out. 
as someone has Absolutely. got it for sale on eBay. <laughs> like, what's the what's the most useless thing you've ever purchased off eBay? Do you think? I don't think I've really purchased that much off eBay. In really, I, I I don't really use it all that much. I did buy like a um, I bought a chair for my living room. That's pretty much it. No shit. I feel like, I thought you would have been an eBay fiend. No, no. Maybe I should be. You're talking it up. <laughs> New sponsors. <laughs> Well, but I mean, by the way, I mean, I've asked you to sort of uh, maybe put a few things on eBay for me, because given that I don't really know that yes, much about it. Yes, so I'm listing a few things this week, and your your two things are going to be two of them. <laughs> Ooh, did you want the money for them or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's my that's my gift to uh, uh, the new Dando child. So we come back from commercial. Homer wakes up, and he suggests that Marge should rent her womb. That's a way of uh, solving their money problems. It's you to us, not you to you. <laughs> It was pretty good. Yes, we're then at Moe's and Barney suggests to Homer that you should become a human guinea pig in order to make some money. He has the extra ears as side effects. (laughs) Don't speak directly into them. That is correct. Homer decides to take him up on the offer. He goes to Screaming Monkey Medical Research. And so I really enjoyed this. So the the burning perfume, that was fine. Then he's blind from the appetite suppressant. (laughs) But there's only only one thing here. There's There's a glitch in the animation. So Homer's on one side of a conveyor belt whilst food's going past, right? Mm. He then proceeds to run past. But if you watch it, they've drawn it in a way that it, essentially he's run through the conveyor belt. Okay, yeah. I because mean, he runs he runs to the side and all of a sudden he's at the window. I was assuming he'd left over the conveyor belt, but... Um, but there's no yeah, way... You're, you're he, probably he, right. He, he didn't know because he, the way they've drawn it, you can see that he, he didn't. But anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Now, it's, it's not Lindsay Nagel running Screaming Monkey, is it? No, but it's the same voice, essentially. Okay, yeah. It's the, it's the Lindsay Nagel character. It's a Lindsay Nagel it's, of scientists. It's, yeah, it's like the, the female wise guy. Then we get Homer defeated by the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> that's straight out of Charlie. Yeah, see, that's a reference that wasn't on the wiki page. I had no idea. So that's why we have... Oh, no, it is on the... It is here on the wiki page. So it's a take oh, on, is it? So it's a, take on, it's a take on the novel's 1968 film adaption, Charlie. So the episode is inspired by Flowers by Algonon, which you mentioned. The yeah. award-winning science fiction work by Daniel Keyes, where an intellectually disabled man also has the intelligence enhanced with an experiment particular in particular the title Homer is a take on the no- the novels Ah, so Charlie must be spelt so he spelt you must spell his name wrong in the film, does he? Charlie's spelt Ch- with a Y, and I think on the posters the Y is backwards or something along those ah, lines. Ah, okay, so, so that's where that's, it says here the title Homer is a take on the film title Charlie C H A R L Y. Okay. Yeah. In the film he's um yeah, uh, the the mouse is in a maze and um, Charlie's trying to do the maze on paper and the mouse keeps beating him. Yes, okay, yep, yep, yep. Well, see, you didn't even have to read the wiki page. You, you knew this already because you're a genius. Well, not that you, I'm a genius. You, sir, do not have a crown on your brain. <laughs> oh, I've put, my, I've put enough stuff up my nose in, the, in, in my time that you know, some of it's probably affected my brain. I dare not ask what. <laughs> <laughs> They notice the crown in Homer's brain. We get the Hibbert explanation. But I've had thousands of head x-rays. How come no one ever noticed it before? Oh, I can answer that. You see, whenever I pick up an x-ray, I always hold it like this. My thumb must have covered up the crayon every time. <laughs> I'll throw myself out. Just the writer's way of getting around the uh, the loopholes of this, of this story. And then Homer tells the story of how he put all the crowns up his nose at the age six. They offer to remove the crown. Hmm, increase my killing power, hey? <laughs> <laughs> Homer then arrives home in a, a nerd ensemble. 
uh, a Pruzzi. spiffy nerd ensemble. Yes, you might spiffy say. nerd ensemble. See, <laughs> there's nothing that makes you feel less cool than when your mum says you look spiffy, right? <laughs> <laughs> It, w- it would be nice to hear it from someone who actually means it. I think that'd be, you know, it's not the kind of word that actually seems all that sincere. But if someone was so sort of moved by your general neat appearances, oh, you look spiffy. It's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't think it works beyond the age of maybe 10. In fact, even around 10, you're probably like, oh, I'd rather you didn't call me that. But, so uh, what you're saying is when I said I look spiffy at work today, they didn't mean it? Uh, it depends who said it. We have Homer proving his intelligence, and Lisa confirms everything he says is correct. He offers, the, uh, offers a, a library date, which Lisa takes him up on, because she always dreamed of having him as a library buddy. Not a library, enjoying themselves. Homer's read all the books, and then we get Cletus ready to crack open the turtle. Poor turtle. But Lisa got his revenge, didn't it? It did indeed, little snapper. But um, Have you ever had turtle soup? No, I don't think I ever want to eat a turtle. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to eat a turtle. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I like animals of most kinds, um, including octopuses now, thanks to my octopus teacher. But um, yeah, turtles are ones that I've got a sort of particular soft spot for, mainly because they look wise, and they're also, you know, and also, you know, they're um, self-sufficient. They're carrying their house around them, like the original grey nomad. And um, I, I know I've got a soft spot for them because they're slow. Anything that can live longer than I can doesn't deserve to be my food. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Homer is then solving all the Rubik's cues as he watches television. What was he watching on TV? Oh golly, was it was it some sort of talk show? I can't. It remember. was some, it was something that sounded witty that that Homer wouldn't normally be watching. Oh okay. Then. And I really enjoyed this next part where he proves God doesn't exist. <gasps> nope. It's oh. Airtight. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's airtight. <laughs> We're then at school. And Homer is giving a lecture. Lecture in our series on not putting things up your nose. Please welcome Homer Simpson. I am here to give hope to the least of you because we all have a crayon up our nose. Maybe it's not a crayon made of wax, maybe it's a crayon made of prejudice. Question! Yes, Nelson. A moron says what? Not being a moron, I wouldn't know. However, what? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you your moron. You see, it's cool to be smart. So be like me and use your minds. Paint a painting, sing a song, and dance a dance. Thank you. Unfortunately, due to budget cuts, we are canceling art, music, and dance. Please evacuate the auditorium before it's bulldozed into a mini mall. I did like the the ha ha in unison that uh, that um, Nelson received as a result of yeah, this, you know, his epic it, little fail. Sh- little shithead. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, though, whenever you had a guest speaker, there was always that douchebag at school that tried to pull jokes on them, wasn't there? Always. Oh yeah, there certainly was. And yeah, as soon as they started talking, you're just like, oh, this knobhead. Yeah, just just leave it alone. Lenny and Carl are discussing Carl's supposed new mug, but it's not because it looks bigger to Lenny. Homer is then mailing. An updated safety report on the power plant, something that he's never actually done because he hasn't been smart enough. Straight to the commission, and Carl shows off his new cod piece that Homer's got him all on board with. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, Mr. Burns, as a result of Homer's uh, safety report, has to announce that there is uh, layoffs across the entire business, and everyone is now upset with Homer. And this is oh, this is where he ha- this is where he says he goes, "I'm your better, your better, <laughs> better," <laughs> <laughs> and we get the great kazoo once again. We come back, and. 
what seems to be like all of the main men in Springfield are burning a dummy version of Homer at Moe's, which to me seems a bit much. I don't know. It's a little much, but I mean, uh, yeah, some of them have got their reasons. I mean, Moe was certainly much happier before he knew Dame Edna was a man. Homer's basically not welcome there anymore. I didn't like Homer getting knocked out with a piece of wood and them all being comfortable with it. <laughs> like he's just assaulted with a weapon and Mo's just like nighty night sweetheart or something like that and I was like oh Jesus nothing more dangerous than a than a mob that feels like their intelligence has been insulted or lack of intelligence has been insulted Lisa explains to Homer you know the, the more your intelligence goes up your happiness goes down mm-hmm. and you know there's also you know the age old methods of finding relaxation and pleasure which, which include Tai Chi and Chai Tea and Chai Tea yes and she suggests going for a long walk. One of the best cuts in the episode. Cut to Homer driving. <laughs> <laughs> and passing by the every dumb establishment in town. I thought you would have liked this next one of the Julia Roberts film, Love is Nice. Indeed, I did. Yes, this was... Um, I do remember uh, enjoying this the first time around and enjoying it this time around as well. I mean, uh, I think this was about a year or so after um, Runaway Bride came out. And I think that's mm-hmm. basically what they're ripping off. It was Julia Roberts' reunion, reunion with her Pretty Woman co-star, Richard Gere, and it was also not good. Just not worth a rewatch. Oh, not really. It's just every rom Julia Roberts rom-com cliche in this, isn't it? Oh, and not even just every rom-com cliche, just every cliche around that time about, you know, the smart-ass little kid saying, radical, and someone yeah. saying, is that your final answer, a la who wants to be a millionaire? Um, and... Look, something that's really just sort of been a bugbear of mine for goodness knows how long, uh, people getting confused, people confusing the late Bill Paxton and the great Bill Pullman. It happens a lot, man. <laughs> I don't know why it happens. You put them next to one another, they don't look anything alike. Their acting styles are very, very different. Even their names aren't that similar. I mean, we're not talking about the great Dermot Mulroney, Dylan McDermott thing here. That's, that's you know, maybe room for confusion, but not Paxton and Pullman. Yeah, I have made the mistake once, and I quickly fixed. I quickly corrected myself, but I can easily see how pe- I can. I can see you're a you're a movie buff. You're a learned man. I can see how the the casual moviegoer would just off the top of the head make the mistake. Oh look, look! I'm pretty sure that I have probably done something very similar with um with footballers or something like that. I mean, I'd probably be pointing to someone like, oh, mate, check out uh, bloody Dusty Martin there. That's Jordan DeGoey, you idiot. Oh, no! Uh, Two footballer names that you know? Pretty much, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where are we up to? Yeah, so he's watching the shit shit Julie Roberts film. And Homer, so this is me basically when my family are all watching and enjoying Gogglebox. And I'm sitting there going... (laughs) You're watching people watch television, you blithering idiots. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. You're watching the Channel 10 focus groups. You know, oh. you're, you're watching a meeting of the marketing department. Bloody Jeepers, hell. Jeepers, creepers, people. What is happening? Anyway, so Homer doesn't get it, points out all the plot holes and gets kicked out. We get the various stores montage and whatnot. They like doing these on The Simpsons. Homer then asks the scientist to go back to the way he was. Um, unfortunately, they say they don't play God, which Homer says you do, because look at that Octo Parrot. I shouldn't be. Yeah. They they give him Moe's uh, business card for his surgery, and the sampler doesn't sound very pleasant to me. What about you? No, but it, it was a good gag, but it sounds like an actual terrible procedure. Lisa is then drawing Homer, and she uh, she notices that one of the crowns is missing. She thinks, oh, God, hopefully, hopefully he hasn't done that. Surely not. And we cut to Moe hammering the crown back into, into Homer's brain. All right, 
Tell me when I hit the sweet spot. Deeper, you pusillanimous pilsner pusher. All right, all right. Defense! <laughs> Defense! <laughs> uh, that's pretty dumb, but, uh... Extended warranty? How can I lose? Perfect. This bit actually kind of stunned me because I'm like, you're not supposed to get the extended warranty? I was about to say, how many times have you taken the extended warranty? Uh, on more than one occasion. <laughs> really? Well, when I bought my new TV, I did. Uh, so next time I buy something big, don't buy the extended warranty. So see, when you next time you agree to the to the extended warranty, and the guy says I just have to go finalize a few papers, he's actually going to that. You no know, when Homer's at the uh, at the mechanics, and mm-hmm. oh, I was buying a car, and the, the worker goes into the uh, the office with the boss, and they both point and laugh behind the glass window. Uh, that's what they do to you when you buy the extended warranty. Oh <laughs> man, okay. I mean, I th- honestly. When have you ever used a warranty? Uh, probably never. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've just you've ruined my whole evening, man. I thought I was being a responsible consumer. <laughs> I'm feeling like Flanders now. It's like... <laughs> Sweetheart, a missing crayon could be anywhere. Who wants lottery tickets? Okay, it's in his brain. Dad, how could you? We were connecting in such a meaningful way. We were what, what, and what, what? Uh. Yeah, which reminds me, I need a sandwich. Hey, what's this? I don't know, must be something I wrote before Mo fixed me. Lisa, I'm taking the coward's way out. But before I do, I just want you to know, being smart made me appreciate how amazing you really are. Oh, Dad. Oh, you want a hug? Well, that I know how to do. I guess when you think about it, this is only the real sort of emotional moment in the whole episode. It is really. I mean, like I said, I've, I've got a little kick out of that. I always wanted a library buddy thing, and you know, it's played very nicely by Yardley. And uh, you know, you really feel the oh, you know, she's found a not a soulmate, but certainly a um, a kindred spirit, and 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 somewhere where you would like to find that in your in your in your parent. So I thought that I thought that was very sweet. But yeah, but that letter is um, yeah, I think I think it's a nice little capper. Yeah, but you're right, probably the most. Uh, Probably the most emotional, almost blatantly sort of heart tugging uh, scene in the sh- in the episode. It's probably the most heart tugging scene we've had this season, besides maybe the crusty daughter episode in Saint. I think Poppy. so. Yeah, I would agree with you on that point. What may, might have made it a bit better is maybe if we, at the start of the episode we had a scene Lisa feeling like she doesn't connect with Homer, hmm. like that this this should have been the overriding story of the episode, as opposed to Homer just going from dumb to being smart. The story well, yeah. should have been the story should have been the relationship of Lisa and Homer. That should have been the episode, you know. Well, you could have had like an anime, uh, you know, a bit at the animation festival with say, you know, Lisa looking at some animated biography of I don't know Ruth Bader Ginsburg or mm. you know, Susan B. Anthony or you know a famous woman a powerful from American woman. history or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, and Homer basically going by, oh, "What's this chick flick?" or something along those lines. And no, you're not being cruel to Lisa, but kind of like this is just you know, so out of sync with his interest that he can't imagine anyone would be interested in it. And, you yes. know, and creating a bit of a like, oh, dad, we'll never understand one another. And then turns out that they do, thanks to 
removal of crayon. But then, you know, the crayon goes back in, but there's still, you know, even if the emotion, even if the intellectual connection's not there, the emotional connection is just as strong as it ever was. What do we learn, Palmer? So what'd you learn for the episode, Mr. Davis? Maybe stop at a dozen crayons. I mean, <laughs> I think we all agree that it's terrific fun to stick stuff up your nose, but uh, know you, a man's got to know his limitations, to quote the great Clint Eastwood. And yeah, maybe <laughs> go above double figures, sure, but don't go for the whole box. I've learned that I for sure need to start counting how many crayons are left in Elliot's pencil case every time he uses them. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> when a crayon goes missing, there's only one place it can possibly be now. In his brain. From this day forward, your names will be... New names, Mr. Davis. It's finally here. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, or earlier in the podcast, that over 115 entries. This is the most we've ever had, I believe. Is that right? That is a lot. That, <laughs> you know, hit, someone hit, say hit, too many. <laughs> <laughs> I would not say too many. I mean, this, too but much this is, is what happens enough. though when you say the more the better, the more chances of winning the you know the quantity over qu- uh, quality. That's what you say, and this is what happens. <laughs> I would say that absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, um, look, hitting triple figures is a uh, a terrific milestone for us, uh, and it it speaks volumes about the the creativity and imagination of our patron friends out there. Look, so much so that I can't even go wild with the honourable mentions or uh, this time around. I would just suggest to anyone who is uh, at all interested in, in, in uh, as I said, creativity, imagination, and most importantly, laughter, um, go check out the uh, the new titles. There's a lot of really, really good ones in there. I will give one or two honourable mentions before we get to three to one. Just hold that thought, because before you do that, Mr. Davis, we just have a few names you need to read out. Our $20 patrons. Oh, well, we can't forget that. Yeah, of oh, course man. not. We're going to give shout-outs to Jordan Moleman Ritchie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Davey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Burleson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Y-Mixer, and George McMenemy. Also, shout out to our new $5 patron. He's back. He's returned in patron form. It's Seth Weens. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. Now, Mr. Davis, take it away. Oh, just that Hall of Fame. Oh, mm. I feel humbled and honoured just hearing those words. Um, look, honourable mentions, uh, just one or two before we get to uh, uh, three, two, one. Uh, I like what uh, Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer had to say with eternal dumb shine of the Crayolid mind. Not bad. Thought that was a pretty good one. And also one by David Mott, precise guys finish last. I didn't, I didn't mind that. I thought that was pretty good. But when it comes to three, two, one, now look, we've got... Um, Hmm, hang on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking at my notes and I've, I've done a very, yes, un-SMRT thing by uh, giving my favourite one point and then oh, no. you know, sort of going... Well, whilst you quickly wait that out, I'll quickly run through our top no, three... No, 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 no. It's, it's not. I'm just... <laughs> I'm going to have to realign my brain a little bit. Okay. Then. Well, I need to, before you do that, though, I will read out what our current top three standings are. So... Okay, please do. In third position, we have Garod Harahill on six points. In second position, we have Josh Hedge on seven. And in first position, D.L. Gorman on nine. Okay, so what do we got for the three, two, ones this week? Okay, then one point goes to Mark Boston Burgess. Boston. Uh, Boston. Um, with an emotional homer coaster. That's pretty good. I like, not bad. Uh, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Now, two points go to our man, Alistair Dunnock. Because... 
not just for the uh, quality, but also quantity, because he gave us a couple of good ones here. One that I liked was, Hello, mother. Hello, father. I had a crayon. Oblongata. <laughs> it's a little bit of a shout-out to one of our least you know, liked Simpsons episodes, but still, you know, it's a little bit of a shout-out as well. It's also a shout-out to when, uh, you know, Bart puts the Camp Granada phone message in Marge being up proud. Hello, mother. Hello, father. <laughs> Hello, father. <laughs> <laughs> the one that got him over the line, however, was get smirt, as in SMRT. <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, that, Homer does certainly get smirt. He does indeed. He had that. Neil Parks, our man Neil Parks, also had just SMRT, which I thought was pretty good. But, you know, I like get smart. And I think Alistair actually did his first. Okay. So that, puts, that currently puts Alistair into tied for third position on six points with Garod. All right. But three points... And it's a name that we've uh, seen a bit of on the uh, old leaderboard. It's D.L. Gorman. It's every week it's D.L. Oh, well, D.L.'s pretty good at this. I mean, they're, look. Be, be, be honest, how much are they paying you? <laughs> Nothing at all. I'm, un, <laughs> I'm incorruptible. I'm untouchable when it comes to this kind of thing. And like a parent, but I, even though I'm not a parent, I love all our patrons equally. Does D.L. stand for Davis Loves? <laughs> my secret shame <laughs> what, are they, um, what have they got but, for us? Well, DL, um, again, uh, here's one that, uh, that I enjoyed Flowers for Palzagon mm-hmm. As a in take, Flowers, a take on the film for, yeah. Flowers for Algonon well, was it, that, was, that was the book, wasn't it? That the Charlie was based on That is correct Yes, yes. Uh, But the one that got him the three points, or got them the three points, shall we say, because D.L. Gorman remains a mystery. Their alternative title was Homer's Where the Smart Is. So what, 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 was, the, what was the tweak? Well, D.L. did Homer is Where the Smart Is. Alrighty, well, that is the Guy Davis Championships. D.L. Gorman well clear ahead now on 12 points. In second position, Josh Hedge on seven, and Garode, Harrahill, and Alcidanic on six points tied for third position. And now before we get into today's mailbag, we must also run through our new names, Mr. Davis, from our Twitter and Instagram followers. So what have we got here? At DamnThompson1086. So he's got Got Smart, a little play on the uh, the iconic TV show Get Smart. I liked that one there. At LewisB237 says, Crayon in the membrane. At Daz Miller says, Crayola. So really good stuff there from our Twitter followers. Also on Instagram, Follow us at Four Finger Discount. Also, Twitter at Four Finger Pod. Let's see what we've got. Oh, this is pretty great here. So, from at Scott Vincent 666, he says, Homer to the wax. <laughs> That's a really good one there. Well done. Well done, Scott. At Maddie underscore Ricardos, he says, There were only 15. A play on, I was only 17. Really cool. And what else have we got here? Also, so at 42 Black Horse, it says Cray Dollar. So, it seems to be a popular one there, but I'm going to read it out because it's a good name. And let's go with one more. <laughs> okay. Underscore Smitchy Doodles underscore says, you have 30 minutes to move your Rubik's Cube. Because obviously Homer was solving lots of Rubik's Cubes there. So thank you guys for contributing to the new name segment. Follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod and Instagram at Four Finger Discount. If you're not a patron, and you will potentially get your new name read out on the show. Okay, Mr. Davis, it's time now for the mailbag. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! Alrighty, it's mailbag time, Mr. Davis. Now, you mentioned to me before we got on the air, there's a particular one you wanted to answer. And we didn't know who it was from. We've just checked. Who's it by, Mr. Davis? It's by D.L. Gorman. 
<laughs> they ask, what are... By, by special guest star <laughs> slash executive producer, D.L. Gorman. I'm, not, I'm really sorry, folks. I'm honestly not playing favourites here. <laughs> what are, he's, or they say, what are some bonding experiences you remember having with your own fathers? Well, I'll tell you a story about, uh, about my old man and myself. Uh, when I was about 10 years old... We were living in England at the time, and this is uh, this was close to Christmas time. We were in London, and you know, I was a little, um, I was a little sci-fi nerd. I liked my Star Wars. I loved my Star Wars actually, and I liked my Star Trek. And Star Trek: The Motion Picture had just opened, and so we we're in London, and it was at this. They had a huge billboard up for it, and I was like, "Dad, can we go see Star, Star Trek: The uh, The Motion Picture?" And you know, he took me along, and we, we both sat through it. And, yeah, look, it was okay. And I, I doubt very much that it was Dad's thing. I don't know if he was much of a sci-fi guy, my old man. Uh, but we left the cinema. Um, it was sort of late in the afternoon. And across the uh, the square, I think it might have been like Leicester Square or something, there was a big billboard up for another movie, uh, a Disney movie called The Black Hole. I don't know how many of you, uh, you phone folks have seen this, but... Um, I oh, know it had a it had a really terrific poster, and he could see that I was sort of looking up at it, you know, like uh, like like I was Charlie Bucket, and I'd just seen Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory for the first time, and he sort of gave me a little nudge. He said, "You want to go see that one too?" So we went and saw the Black Hole immediately after Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and the Black Hole was much more fun. I think even my dad enjoyed it. Um, Is that why you have but, a soft spot for that movie? Because I remember when the pops came out, you were the only person in Australia excited for them. I was like, oh my God, there's a Maximilian Pop. Holy <laughs> shit, let's get it. <laughs> so look, that may be uh, one of the reasons why I do have a soft spot for it. Yeah, it was just a, it was a very sweet time with my dad who, uh, you know, in, indulged his geeky son's, um, you know, uh, geekiness, <laughs> shall we say. I've got so many fond memories of my dad, but uh, yeah, that was really one of them that he, you know, <laughs> kind of in, indulged me that day when he didn't really have to. I remember, I mean, I didn't have a lot of things in common with my dad, still don't really, but uh, football and wrestling are the two things we particularly have in common. We both enjoyed the pro wrestling and, and um, watching the footy. And I, I remember one of the things dad and I used to do when I was younger was we'd go down to the Oval and just kick for goal, just have a football and just kick for goal. And I remember there was this player called Roger, no, no Nigel Lappin, Nigel Lappin. Was it not? Was mm-hmm. it? it, was, it was, no, it wasn't Nigel Lappin. It was someone else. He played for Brisbane. Can't quite remember. And um, let's just say it was Nigel Lappin, right? And he yeah. um, he kicked this goal once, and it was the first time I'd ever seen somebody do what we at a show call a banana kick, where you sort of snap it around the corner. So you you kick the ball in a way that it bends in the air and sort of does like a like a boomerang hook shape right through the goals when you're on a very tight angle. And I saw this guy do that, and I was like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I remember my dad says, I can do that. And I was like, no one can do that. That was like, that was like, you know, magic. And I remember my dad just lined up and he was, would have been 40 meters out and he does his big banana kick from the boundary line straight through the goals. And at that point, I thought my dad was a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> That's marvelous. <laughs> I'll never forget the day watching my dad just, I'm standing in the goal square and this ball sailing over my head, like banana kick from my dad. And I was like, he's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. So, By the yeah. way, I think the, play, I think the player you're referring to is Matthew Lappin. Matthew Lappin? No, no, no. There was a player called Nigel Lappin. I'm trying to think. I'm going to Google Brisbane team, Brisbane premiership team, <laughs> 2000. I'm going to get this right because I've, I've got to give him kudos. 
Daryl White was his name. Daryl White. I don't know how he's going to get confused with Nigel Lappin. It's because they were both defenders. But <laughs> da- da- but Daryl White wasn't known for kicking goals. And he did this fucking banana kick one night. And it just mesmerized me. And I've, ever, I've always called it since that night. I've called a banana a Daryl White kick. It's just, it's just stuck uh, with me. Yeah. So Daryl ex- White. Except for the... Except for a few moments ago when you were saying that you were claiming that it was done by someone named Lappin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um, I don't know why I used to get Daryl White and Nigel Lappin always confused, but I did. But yeah, Daryl White, that kick. Yeah, when, when my dad did a Daryl White kick, it, it just changed my life. <laughs> oh, that would, that, that would be quite splendid. That would be quite amazing. Um, all right. Let's pick a couple more questions here before we wrap this bad boy up. Talia Enriquez says, what's the most interesting flyer you've ever encountered? Whenever you see something that says reward, you always stop in your tracks, don't you? Well, true. Yeah. yeah but, but I'm a sucker for a lot of things, as, as we've you know, heard in this episode. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an extended warranty guy. I'm, <laughs> That's stuck with I'm, you, hasn't it? It has. I look, I'm, <laughs> that really, wow, my, you just blew my whole world apart, man. But, you know, there's that other Simpsons episode where, you know, I think I've said this in the past, where... But act now, stocks are limited. Limited? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> well, any time that, um, you know, say a movie was coming out on DVD or Blu-ray and, and, you know, through some boutique label where they'll say, look, we've only printed 3,000 copies of this, so you better get in quick. I'm like, ah! <laughs> you, you check the Instagram feed two months later, that's on sale. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the warehouse, you know, like we've still got two thousand five hundred uh, copies of this Blu-ray. <laughs> I still, why wise guy is working there saying, "Yeah, we still got a couple." <laughs> yeah, you're right. You, you know when, you know when we've got a, a fair bit of shit to move. When, when I'm writing the description, I'm like, "Stocks limited, so be quick." <laughs> so just, just, just counting on people going limited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so see, chumps like me are your bread and butter. Uh, final question. Alrighty, this one is for you. It's right up your alley. It's from Andrew. Is it Pelicati? Pelic- yeah, Pelicati. I'm pretty sure. It's. Ca- I think the cat is the cat. Yeah, yes. you, Andrew, pa- you're the Pelicati. Yeah, Pelicati. Regarding the crappy Julia Roberts movie that Homer's kicked out of, he says, "What's the worst, most cliched romantic comedy that you have ever seen?" Oh golly. Um. Yeah. Look, I'm not. I'm traditionally not a fan of rom coms. I mean, I. Having said that, I, I, a good one is what I, is a, a thing of beauty and a joy forever. I, I love a really good one, and that would include things like Four Weddings and a Funeral, or When Harry Met Sally, or You've Got Mail. I mean, I, I like those very much. But there was a sort of a, a slew of them, particularly in the two thousands, that were just kind of garbage. Um, I think a lot of them starred Kate Hudson, in all honesty. Who's and as Had an actor, I, I don't days. mind. But yeah, I mean, I barely remember how to lose a guy in ten days. For some reason, there's some kind of cult around that where people are like, "Oh, that's such a good movie." I was like, no, it's not I a actually, good movie. I actually, honestly, didn't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have to revisit, in all honesty. But I just remember thinking, eh, "This is a bit by the numbers." Um, but uh, Kate Hudson was in one called Raising Helen. I've never seen that uh, one actually. Yeah, I don't know if it's so much a romantic comedy as more just like a comedy, but she was like, she's a freewheeling, uh, you know, career woman slash party girl, you know, zero responsibilities. But wait a minute, her responsible sister just died in a car crash or something, I don't know, and she's got to raise her sister's kids or something. But guess what? The kids end up helping her to grow up or something along those lines. And in the along the way, she falls in love with... um, 
what's his name? John Corbett. He was on that show. He was on Sex and the City. He was on. He was Aiden on Sex and the City. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, traditional sort of you know, very white bread hunky dude and all that kind of stuff. And I remember watching it as a review going, this is absolute crap. This is, <laughs> this is garbage. And um, yeah, for some reason that one stuck with me as some, one that I just, yeah, this is a poor example of the uh, of the form. Alrighty, so all uh, the Raising Helen fans out there just unsubscribed. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Between me stacking the deck for DL and um, and uh, disrespecting uh, Raising Helen. Um, this this yeah, podcast sorry. never stood a chance. <laughs> sorry, sorry about this, folks. <laughs> did you? Did you? Were you? Were you known for putting sass into your reviews if you didn't like a film? I could be on occasion, yes. I'll, I'll, if you like, I'll go through some of my notes and try and find my, some of my sassier moments. Oh, I'd really um, love to see this. I think, oh, <laughs> I remember saying, because oh, I was kind of proud of this one, but it was about the late Paul Walker, uh, star of the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, I think you may have mentioned this, but I can't remember. I think I said something about, oh, oh Jesus, Paul Walker. I've got furniture more expressive than this guy, and I buy all my shit from Ikea. <laughs> Is that what you said? Yeah, <laughs> he was still he was still alive at this. I was going to say pre, pre or post death. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you for listening to our review of Homer. Homer. Hope you enjoyed. Next week we're going to be reviewing an episode called Pokey Mum, where Marge befriends a prisoner. And uh, yeah, I have already watched it. Not going to lie, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I remember when I watched it the first time. So stay tuned for Pokey Mum next week. But once again. Rate and review us in the iTunes store. Give us five stars. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, and don't forget to tell all your friends who like The Simpsons to subscribe to the show as well. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter if you aren't a patron. It's your way to contribute to the new name segment. But for now, I am Dando. Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Uh, not much. I'm just about to go and get dressed into my spiffy nerd ensemble. Shh.